Is Russia running out of steam? And is it trying to use every trick in the book to get Ukraine to spread its forces? What is Ukraine's strategy in Bakhmut? And what will make a difference for the war in the coming months? I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It is January 22nd, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get into it. Okay, first, when we look at the control map, you can see there has been no significant changes along the front lines, which itself is significant news because, as you might recall, Russia very publicly said that it was seeing or conducting increased operations in the south near Zaporizhia province. And as you can see, there hasn't really been any progress on this front. We can see here that there's purportedly been some attacks. But when we look here in Solodar, Bakhmut, the most important areas, there's not really any substantial change. There, there may be some just minor repositioning of exactly where attacks are taking place. But as we can see, Krasnohora, it looks like Russian forces are attempting to encircle it. Um, Pirarodne, uh, the forest, I think I've, I've read one report that it's being nicknamed Sherwood Forest, but I don't know if that's true. Um, and of course, these couple of blocks here in Eastern Bakhmut. Uh, when we look at the combat map, you guys can see here that again, notably, no reported ground combat in the Zaporizhia area, which again, very interesting that Russia would announce that they're increasing their operations and then, well, not do it. Uh, you can see DNR, LNR continuing to push outside of Donetsk. And of course, you have in Bakhmut itself, Krasnohora, um, and Berohorivka. Interesting because this is a pretty sparse uh, distribution of attacks relative to what we've seen, especially given Russia's uh, momentum in Solidar, uh, where their efforts to push not just northeast, but also to the north and even attempt to flank around in Vasily. Uh, so is it a sign that Russia is just taking a breather and refitting? Uh, it's possible. We've certainly seen that before. Uh, it's also possible that this is a... Uh, this is part of Russia running out of gas. Uh, it would it would align with the um, efforts to distract Ukrainian forces um, by announcing some very publicly announcing this uh, offensive or attacks in Zaporizhia, sort of like the world's worst. Hey, look over here, bam, you know, or. Worse, trying to distract the bear from your your wounded friend uh, by, you know, yelling and shouting, "Hey, hey, look over here! Don't pay attention to my friend, uh, the uh, Wagner Group, who's completely out of gas here in Bachmet." Um, it's tough to say, it, it, you know. And again, it could simply be refitting and Russia trying to double down on its offensive operations and trying to open a second front to increase the pressure on Ukraine. Well, I guess a third, sorry, front is not the right word, axis of advance. There's the Bachman axis, the Donetsk axis, and then I guess they want to try to create the Zaporizhia axis, which seems like a little, like they're spreading themselves a little thin. Like Russia's Russia is barely able to make marginal progress with two fronts. I don't think it would have the, the resources to make progress along a third. And you can see here, again, there's just been very little progress in the Donetsk region. When we look at War Mapper, of course, War Mapper is going to point out no confirmed changes uh, to the front lines and no confirmed changes to the overall territory. 
Now, when we talk at Institute for the Study of War, they've got some interesting analysis here of Bachmet. Uh, so it talks about how their defense is strategically sound despite its considerable cost for Ukraine. Um, and, and I broadly agree with this, but I think their reasoning, I disagree with. Um, you know, it says that, hey, there's significant opportunity cost related to uh, counteroffensive operations elsewhere. This is true. Um, Ukraine would have paid a significant price for allowing to, uh, Russian troops to take Bakhmut easily. I also agree with, but they uh, talk about, you know, constructing hasty defensive positions, less favorable terrain, and talk about the political calculus of committing uh, to the defense of Bakhmut, uh, that it just is a bad political look to give up a town like Bakhmut um, without a fight. And it says, oh, Americans haven't had to make such choices since 1865. Um, this is... Yeah. This I really this this is rationale that I think makes more sense, actually. This talks about how, remember, in the summer in Severodonetsk and Lysychansk, uh Russia captured Lysychansk uh after heavy fighting in both Severodonetsk and Lysychansk. Um, but ultimately, despite seizing that, uh despite paying that costly, costly victory in Donbas, uh the Russian government, uh Russian war efforts there have stalled out completely. And not only did they stall out, but the huge cost they paid allocating their forces towards Lesachansk and Severodonetsk opened them up to the Kharkiv offensive, right? The 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 defensive effort and the preservation of combat power, which I think ISW doesn't appreciate the economy behind combat power, which makes sense. A lot of, I think a lot of strategic thinkers, um, and you know, I, I say this as someone who has a, a master's in national security studies, a lot of them don't understand economy of force properly, a economy of force and logistics and how they have to work in concert. Um, so what you have is, of course, Russia is probably one of the worst war machines for economy of force. Um, their logistics system is so convoluted that they end up with extremely low-value conscripts uh, with poor equipment who can't really be a a effective or as effective on the battlefield as they're supposed to be. And they burn equipment at a frightening rate sometimes. So you can see in Severodonetsk, right, they spent a lot of time and effort seizing this area and then seizing Lysychansk. But Ukraine was smart. They made the Russians pay a huge price to take both of these cities. And finally, when it became clear that Ukrainian forces would have to withdraw or face complete annihilation, a huge loss of Ukrainian combat power, Ukrainian forces made a systematic withdrawal um, and yielded Lesychansk to Russian forces. But they did so because it was controlled. They were able to stabilize the lines in a different defensive posture. And then because they had saved their combat power, they were able to reallocate it towards the Kharkiv offensive, which was a successful in part because many top-tier Russian troops had been burned and, and, and uh, attrited in this fight here. And so I suspect that Ukraine, while the ISW sort of alludes to it, um, they also dig at the West for um, slow rolling or withholding weapon systems essential for large scale operations. Uh, 
in Bachman, I really suspect Ukraine is doing the right, the same thing. Um, if they're smart, they will have uh, predetermined metrics at the start of the Battle of Bakhmut um, that said, hey, when units reach this level of casualties, they're going to begin to withdraw in a systematic way. And the reason you want to do it like that is because you have to set at the beginning your decision of how much of your combat power you're willing to expend on this defensive effort. And the more Russia throws at it, the higher casualties they take, the more tanks, drones, APCs, uh, helicopters, the more they get destroyed in Bakhmut, the less are going to be available to stop a, a Ukrainian counteroffensive. So there's a huge incentive to just raise the price of operations in Bakhmut, but it's got to be done proportionally. And Ukraine needs to balance the ability to inflict damage now uh, in Bakhmut and Solodar against the need to have your best troops ready for the counteroffensive, right? Because defensive efforts don't ultimately win wars, um, but they but they can set conditions for winning a war. And that's what Ukraine is, is, if they're smart, that's what they're doing now. They made a decision at some point. They said, hey, listen, our defensive efforts in Solidar, we're, we're not going to get myopic. We recognize that we're going to inflict the maximum casualties on Russia. But at some point, when we start to see Ukrainian forces uh, take too many casualties, um, we're going to start to systematically slowly withdraw. And I hope, I, I believe that's what's happening at this point. You know, Ukraine's uh, Ministry of Defense has done a good job at having some real strategic vision in this conflict. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely been critical of Russia's sort of lack thereof. Um, but I think the Ministry of Defense it knows and understands in an existential conflict that you cannot win everywhere all of the time, especially against someone like Russia. And I think they also must surely realize that with the influx of infantry fighting vehicles and APCs um, like the Bradley and potentially the coming influx of um, modern main battle tanks, I think what you're seeing is a tactical decision by ukrainian forces to say hey listen when we get these troops trained up on the bradleys properly when we get our logistics and our mechanics trained on these bradleys properly um then we are going to take these uh and we are going to use them uh, to a tremendous effect the nice thing is is that the bradley is in many ways it, it has a few differences but for a commander, it's basically just a much better BMP. And the Ukrainian forces know how to use BMPs, um, you know, that's already in their doctrine. They've already, again, have a proven method to do so in the Kharkiv offensive. And so the Brad is just, I think, going to just be a superior version of that, much more dangerous to Russian armored uh, forces, uh, much more mobile, much better protected, much better troop carrying capabilities. It's just going to be better in every way, but it's only going to be good if you build out the logistics around it and you give it, you get the crews properly trained up, you get your logistics, your parts, your repair, your fuel systems, all all tightened up and then when the time is right you launch your offensive so again but to do that you have to actually pull troops off the front now 
and they should be you know there should be a brigade or two who's not on the front lines who's doing nothing but learning how to operate and command these new vehicles again the bradleys the cougars the, the apcs mraps all of this um so again i don't i'm not party to any information that you guys aren't uh but i really believe and hope that this is the direction that ukrainian command is ukrainian ministry of defense is taking this um anyway guys that is all i had for you for today of course you guys know um if you want to check out all of those viral combat videos you know the ones i'm talking about the ones that youtube definitely doesn't let me show you i do all those on the patreon um this week of course we took a look at some more drone footage we took a look at some uh helmet cam footage that was pretty intense um and the new video drops every friday so we just had one drop uh just two days ago so if you want to become a member of the patreon click the link in the description and i'll see all you guys in the next one